Nobody greater. Lord have mercy. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you. Come on, we've got to remind ourselves sometimes of that fact. When you start focusing more on your problems than you focus on your problem solver, when you start praying, telling God how big your problems are instead of telling your problems how big your God is. We've got to remind ourselves that there's nobody greater than the Lord. Nobody greater than you. Come on, let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. And we pray now in the name of Jesus that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the things that keeps you and keeps me from loving like we should is the view we have of ourselves or the view that we have of other people or a combination thereof. For example, you may not say it, but you show it. When you refuse to interact with certain people or you don't want to have any contact with those kind of people, even though in that situation, in that circumstance, you get a chance to demonstrate the love of God. Or maybe you think you are too good, too high to interact with certain people. Uh, and I've learned that whenever we see somebody lower than us, if we have an inflated view of ourselves, then we will think we are above interacting with or loving those individuals. My brothers and sisters, in the word of the Lord today, uh, the Apostle Paul challenges us that in order for us to really love people like we need to, we cannot have an inflated view of ourselves. We cannot have a deflated view of others. We have to recognize that as believers, we have a responsibility to live life with other people, to walk beside other people, to love other people where they are in order to help them become all that God wants them to be. You see, the truth of the matter is, you have not always been where you are. You started at one place, and well, hopefully you're not still where you used to be. Hopefully and prayerfully, you've been growing. And you have been growing through the love of God and the love of other people to encourage you, to pour into you, to pray for you in order for you to become who you are today. And it does not yet appear who you shall be. In other words, God is still working on you. God is still trying to get you to where he wants you to be. And here's what I need you to know. It is the love of God that is shown through us to each other that helps us to become more like him. Today, for a few moments, I want to continue our series, Being a Believer Every Day. And I want to talk to you from the thought, Loving others no matter what. Loving others no matter what. God is challenging you and God is challenging me to love other people 
no matter what. Now, I know what you're saying. What do you mean, no matter what? Well, here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, you need to love others and show love to others no matter what they go through in life. Now, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 13. As a matter of fact, let me go back so I can lay that foundation for somebody. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I think one of the great tragedies in our society today is the inability of the church of Jesus Christ to love beyond the earthly boundaries that have been set up by the king of this world. We have not learned how to love beyond political boundaries. We have not learned how to love beyond isms and ideologies. We, we have not learned how to love. And so what has happened is instead of the church producing and practicing a kingdom agenda around love, we love according to the culture in which we live. And God has challenged you and God has challenged me to love and live beyond culture. To live and love in a way that honors and establishes the kingdom of God. That we exhibit the kingdom of God in all that we do and all that we say. You must show love to others no matter what they go through in life. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Uh, The apostle says you are to show a genuine interest in what other people are going through, what other people are dealing with, and as a child of God, One of the ways you express love is to be there with people when they are going through things, the good times and the bad times. He says you've got to learn how to rejoice. That's A. You are to rejoice with those who rejoice. That word rejoice literally means to be cheerful, uh, to be well, to be glad, to have joy with somebody who is rejoicing. Uh, There are ways to rejoice, and there are times that we typically know that we should rejoice. For example, if if a family has a new baby born in the family, we we say congratulations. If there's some kind of achievement, uh, a graduation, uh, we give them some kind of uh, encouragement when when there's a promotion when when there's a new purchase we'll go for example to a family member's house or friend's house if they just purchased a home and there's a housewarming and we want to congratulate them but but listen here's here's the key here's the key can you be happy for others when they're rejoicing in the blessings God has bestowed upon them can you really rejoice See, this is not as easy as as it sounds on the surface uh, because, in all honesty, rejoicing with people who rejoice 
goes against our human nature, our sin nature, especially when they're being blessed in a way that we think we should be blessed or we haven't been blessed. See, it's, it's human nature to envy a person's success because it's not your success. It's human nature to feel disappointment at somebody else's blessing when you haven't gotten your blessing. You, you've been praying for your blessing, and here comes somebody else who, in your humble opinion, hasn't even been living as good as you have been or not trying as hard as you have tried or hasn't been waiting as long as you have been waiting. And so there's a natural tendency to be disappointed when you see somebody who apparently skipped the line as far as you're concerned. Or maybe you're just indifferent and uncaring. See, here's what I've learned. Real friends are not just those who comfort you when you're sad. Real friends celebrate with you when you're rejoicing, when you're happy. They are as excited about your blessing as you are. Um, I had a brother who has gone home to be with the Lord, Jacques Bouvier. Jacques and I were in seminary together. We graduated together. And, and Jacques was, was a real friend to me and to my family. And I know that because Jacques was not only there during some challenging times and prayed for me and, and walked beside me during some challenging times. Man, Jacques was genuinely excited when blessings came into my life. I mean, he was, he was more excited and more animated than I was. And Jacques taught me a powerful lesson. Man, can I rejoice when you rejoice? Can I be happy? Can I be excited? Can I celebrate God blessing your life even if my life is not being blessed in the same way? Because can I tell you what human nature will do if we're not careful? We will discourage or minimally stay away when people are rejoicing or when they're blessed. It's almost like we're sad when they're blessed and we're happy when they're going through difficult times. And that's what envy will do, right? Envy will rejoice when somebody's going through difficult times. The Apostle Paul says you've got to learn how to rejoice when other people have something to rejoice about. Can you be happy? Can you genuinely be excited? Can you be happy when somebody, for example, is a friend who is married and they are happily married even when you've gone through a divorce or you haven't even had a husband or a wife yet? Can you rejoice with them? Can you rejoice with the family who has children when you have been unable to have a child? Can you rejoice when somebody has purchased a home and you're still renting an apartment? Can you be really happy or do you just tolerate it? Do you just kind of go along with it? Is it just a cursory, oh, hey man, that's great, man. I'm happy for you. Like, or can you really be excited when somebody else is blessed? Paul says we've got to learn how to rejoice when people rejoice. Even God rejoices in the blessings of his people. That's what he wants to see. Look at Psalm 35, verse 27. May my friends sing and shout for joy. 
May they always say, praise the greatness of the Lord who loves to see his servants do well. I love that. May my friends sing and shout for joy and praise God who loves to see his servants do well, who loves to see his servants prosper. Here's B. You are to weep with those who weep. He says, not only rejoice with those who rejoice, but learn how to weep with those who weep. Uh, That word for weep literally means to sob or to wail aloud. It's like when they cry, you cry. When they hurt, you hurt. They feel pain, you feel pain. When they feel the burden and heaviness of what they're going through, you get under that load with them so that you feel the burden and the weight and the heaviness that they are feeling. When people are going through trials, when people are going through loss, when people are dealing with a moment of suffering, uh, when they're dealing with personal pain, when they're dealing with business loss, uh, when they're dealing with uh, a level of family hurt, uh, whatever it is that they're going through, sorrow, he says no matter what is the cause of the weeping, the Lord says you and I, if we are really going to love people, need to draw near the person and feel for them, uh, in essence, share with them by practicing empathy, not sympathy in terms of me looking and I'm sorry that you're going through it, but empathy in that I feel your sorrow and I feel your pain. Acts 20 verse 35 says, I showed you in all things that you should work as I did and help the weak. I taught you to remember the words Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, here's what's interesting. We, we love to quote scriptures out of context, y'all. We, we, we love to make them fit what we want them to fit. And, and typically, that, that verse is quoted, especially that last verse, is more blessed to give than to receive. We, we love to quote it in the context of material giving, resources, wealth. And while that may be true, that's not the context within which this passage appears. God is talking about, in this passage, relationships. And God is talking about, in this passage, the giving of love and the giving of support, the giving of our presence to help those who are in need, those who are weak, When we are strong, are we willing to take our strength and walk beside them to help them become what God wants them to become? Galatians 6, 2, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Uh, One of the ministries that Jesus as our high priest engaged in is the ministry of empathy. As a matter of fact, I would argue there could be no justification without the ministry of empathy. There could be no salvation without the ministry of empathy. Look at what is said in Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, the New Living Translation says, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. 
There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. He understands our weaknesses because he faced all the same testings we do. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those three categories within which and under which all sin, testing, temptations fall under. The text says that he understands what we go through. He has a ministry of empathy. And that ministry of empathy empowers us to receive his mercy and to find grace to help us when we need it most. I'm talking about loving others no matter what. I told you, number one, you must show love to others no matter what they go through in life. Here's the second thing. Number two, you must show love to others no matter who they are. You must show love to others no matter who they are. Verse 16, Romans chapter 12, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. What is the mindset you ought to have towards others to love them no matter what? What, what mindset do you need to have? He says, you need to make sure you have the right attitude and actions towards others, no matter who they are or where they are in life. You've got to have the right attitude and actions towards others. And Paul basically says this, love must be evidenced in how you live and interact with other people. Remember what I said, it's not enough to say you love God and you have this tight vertical relationship with God and your horizontal is out of whack. Your horizontal being your relationship with one another, with other people who you see every day. You can't claim that you love the Lord with all your heart, and you can't treat your spouse the way God commands you to treat your spouse, or your children the way God commands you to treat your children, or you can't interact with people in the workplace the way God commands you to interact with people in the workplace. You cannot do that. God says, in in, in essence, that is an abomination. To say you love the Lord whom you have never seen and can't love one another and you see them every day. He says you must live in harmony with each other. A, you must live in harmony with each other. That word harmony uh, refers to being of the same mind. Being of the same mind. Um, Collaborating, cooperating. Now watch this. It's not that I think just like the person in terms of my overall thought about life and living, but can I meet them where they are and understand who they are in order to love them, to help them get where God wants them to be? Um, Counselors specialize in this, right? listening to a person and getting to that place where they are, but not going there to stay there, there's always a tether to help them get this person to where they need to be. And so it may be through a series of questions or conversations or exercises to help this person on the journey of self-discovery, to help them get to where God wants them to be. 
Are you willing to live in harmony with those who are in need? First Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. It doesn't mean you will always agree, but here's what my old pastor, Dr. U.B. Whitfield, said in Brooklyn, New York. Dr. U.B. Whitfield said, he said, you don't have to agree, you just have to learn how to not be disagreeable. He said, you don't always have to agree, but just don't be disagreeable. Can, can you come to a place of consensus? There's harmony there. But look at B. He says, you must never be haughty, in relation to others. He says, live in harmony and never be haughty. Do not be haughty, but associate with the, law, uh, with the lowly. Uh, that, that word for haughty means uh, lofty or to think of yourself higher or more highly than somebody else. Uh, you and I are not to to be haughty or high-minded, right? He says, associate with the lowly. See, you know what's amazing to me? Here's what's amazing to me. How many times people want to associate with the rich and famous of the world or be linked to them as if somehow being linked to them will give them a power to become better than they actually are. Now, I'm not saying being leaked to them and those relationships may not get you more than you have, but the question is not, do you get more than you have? The question is, are you going to become better than you are? Are you going to become a better person? Not more possessions. Are you going to become a better person? Right? Because here's what we have learned in the world today. Riches do not make you a better person. They may give you better access, give you greater accessibility. You may be able to enjoy the finer things in life, but that does not mean you will become a finer person in life. Paul says, associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. He says you are not to be snobbish. Don't allow your mind to roam around in high things. Understand that you have been called to love people and to meet the needs of people, and you cannot meet the needs of people in the love of Jesus Christ when you perceive yourself to be better than they are as if you are doing them a favor when you bless them. So when Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005, hit the Gulf Coast, devastated New Orleans, and some 250,000 people evacuated and came to the city of Houston, and others went all over the country, I adopted a phrase and taught our staff to comment and respond to people with a phrase that my friend, Dr. David Kelly of the Christ Fellowship Church in Brooklyn, New York, shared with me. I was in seminary, and there weren't a whole lot of people who were encouraging me in that move 
because I left the pastorate of my second church to go to seminary full-time. I just felt God leading me to do that, and there were those who questioned my sanity. Uh, Some who said, you know, you don't leave a church to go to seminary. You go to seminary to get a church. And they said, man, what's wrong with you, man? You lost your mind, man. You can go to seminary part-time. And I was like, no, I just feel like this is what God is calling me to do. And, uh, And I sent Dr. David Kelly in the Christ Fellowship Church. Uh, and David's always been like a big brother to me, man. I always looked up to him. And I sent them a letter because I got to a place where I had some needs. I was starting a new job. I had left a uh, position, and, and the month got longer than the money. And, 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 man, I talked to a friend of mine, and he said, well, man, just, just send some letters out to some, some friends that you've ministered to and, and, and see if they'll help you. And so he was one of the letters, uh, one of the letters I sent out was to he and Christ Fellowship Church. And he responded with a check and put in the letter a phrase that I will never forget. He said, thank you for giving us the privilege to be able to help you in this time of need. Now, for those of you who have ever been at a point of need and you needed to ask for help, I think most of you would, would agree asking for help is typically the hardest thing to do, especially when you have a level of pride and you've always taken care of things, right? But man, when he said that, I was like, wow. Like he, he made me feel good even though I was in need. And so when people came to our church to get resources out of Katrina and they would say, man, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pastor, for helping us. And I would say, thank you for the privilege to be able to help you. Thank you for the privilege to be able to display what kind of Christian we really are. Thank you for the privilege to be able to share with you the love of God, because it is a privilege. And so basically, here's what I hear Paul saying. I hear Paul saying, see helping others as a privilege to show God's love to them. It's not a burden. You're not doing people a favor. It's as if really God is doing you a favor by giving you an opportunity to do something that's going to make you feel good on the inside. It's going to give you a feeling that money cannot buy because you're going to be able to be a blessing to somebody else. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, in the same way you younger men must accept authority, the authority of the elders, And all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. You may feel above and better than others, but that view can keep you from loving others the way God commands. Don't overvalue and value the things of this world more than you value people. Don't overvalue stuff and undervalue people. We we have moved to a time in this world where we love things and use people instead of loving people and using things. And so now we use people to get more stuff. And God says, no, your focus should not be on the stuff that you accumulate and acquire. Your focus should be on how you can be a blessing to others. So don't think more highly of yourself than you should. Because when you think more highly of yourself than you should, you think more lowly of others than you should. 
An inflated view of yourself will cause you to have a deflated view of others. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Galatians 6.3, let's read it together if you will. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That's the New Living Translation. Let's read it again. It's convicting, but let's read it again. Come on. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. You may be a legend in your own mind. You may be a legend in time, but you don't know how quick the time will pass before your legend will fade off the scene. Old lady said one time, If the task for you is too low, the problem is you are too high. And if people for you are too low, whoever they are and wherever they are, then the problem is you're too high. God says love others no matter what. No matter what they're going through, rejoicing or weeping. Two ends of the extreme and everywhere in between. He says, love people no matter what they go through and love people no matter who they are and recognize that who you are in your mind might be the key to seeing them for who they are created in the image of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I pray now, God, that everything that we have done and everything that we have said has been pleasing in your sight and has brought glory and honor to you. I pray now, God, as your word has gone forth, that it has found fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people. Help us, God, to be a people who really display to others the love that we have received from you. Help us to understand that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, especially when we can love people when they need it the most. We thank you and we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Now listen, if you need Jesus Christ in your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do just that, to invite the Lord into your life. And you can click on the link that says, I want to accept Christ, but how? And I will walk you through, if you click on that link via video, how to ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life to pray the prayer of salvation. If you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be, we're not perfect, y'all. We're just in the process. We're just trying to become all that God wants us to be, and we are committed to helping you become all that God wants you to be so that you can be presented faultless before his throne with exceeding great joy not just because of your salvation in Jesus, but because of your sanctification by the power of the Holy Ghost working inside of you to help you become all that God wants you to be. If you want to become part of our church family, just click on the link that says, I want to join the church. I want to become part of this church family for this season of my journey. 
and we will walk with you. We will pray for you and pray with you and give you the tools that you need on the digital platform to continue to grow in Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who want to worship the Lord in giving, thank you again for your faithfulness in your giving. I can't tell you how, how exciting it is to see how God has moved within our membership. Uh, I asked men to come and volunteer at the food pantry and grateful for the response. I want to encourage more of you to call the number that's on the screen, 713-524-6578, 713-524-6578. Call and leave your name and number and say, hey, I'm interested in being part of volunteering in the food pantry to help meet the needs of people in our community. Thousands of people are served every month. Over the last year, over a million pounds of food has been distributed. And we're grateful for our food pantry designation and the opportunity that God is giving us to touch lives in a physical way, to put the love of God into practice. Uh, I want you to pray for the Sloans, Reverend Mark Sloan and Sister Marshelle Sloan. They are still faith raising, uh, making their way to the end of this year when they'll be leaving the U.S. and going to live in Uganda. That's right, going to live in Uganda. And I appreciate the call of God on their life. Um, our church has made a commitment to support them, but we can't support them in total. So I'm asking you to be prayerful about your support if you want to give a one-time gift, or if you say, you know what, I want to give something every month. It'll be $10 a month, it'll be $20 a month, whatever it is. Uh, for some of you, I would encourage you, give up a cup of coffee a day. If you gave up a cup of coffee a week, just one cup a week, if you just gave up Starbucks, oh my God, just once a week and said, you know what? I'm going to invest in the kingdom work with Pastor and Sister Sloan. They're going to be touching uh, pastors working in uh, schools there, running conferences there that will not only equip pastors and their wives who are ministering in the country of Uganda, but those who are ministering in neighboring countries as well. And so I want to encourage you to make that investment. All right. Um, our youth diversionary program, Project Hope, is uh, kicking off. We're excited about the young people who we're already working with and looking forward to doing even greater things. Um, we've got holiday season coming up and uh, getting ready for the first of the year. Uh, don't forget the first Sunday in November. For those of you who live in the Houston metropolitan area, first Sunday in November, uh, we will be holding in-person worship. We're going to ease our way back into this. We're asking that everyone be vaccinated, everyone be vaccinated. And we're asking that you would wear a mask. We're practicing physical distancing. And you need to register before you come. You need to register before you come. So again, please, ma'am, please, sir, I want to encourage you, uh, if you haven't gotten vaccinated, get vaccinated, get the second shot if you got the first shot, get the booster shot if you got the first two shots, do everything that you can to help stem the tide of COVID-19 and the Delta variant, and to do everything that you can to stay safe, all right? Not just for you to stay safe, but others to stay safe as well, all right? Last but not least, God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me.
And as we come into the last quarter of this year, and man, God has been faithful in the midst of everything that's been going on. Uh, We certainly want to pray for those who are around us, pray for those who are still uh, fighting and and battling uh, COVID-19, pray for those who are still dealing with this grief, this worldwide depression that is blanketing the earth with the loss of normalcy, the loss of the way we have lived in the past. And I hope that you know normal is in front of us, not behind us. And we're going to have to figure out how God wants us to live in this new day and in this new time. But how many of you know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? And we can do it and we will do it in the power of God. All right. God bless you. God be with you is my prayer. And remember, do your best to be the best that you can be for God.